What's up, everybody? This is Keith. Before we get to this week's episode, I wanted to mention that right now, the Kickstarter is live for my comic, Kadoja, Symphony of Madness number two. The Kickstarter has already funded, so if you've backed it, thank you. If you haven't backed it yet, check it out. There are plenty of options. One of them is the main cover done by me. You can also back the Making Comics podcast tier with a cover exclusive to Kickstarter by your boy Scott Lost. And we just added some extra tiers, one of which is the Making Comics Workshop. This is a very limited tier that gives you the chance to workshop your comic with both Scott and I, which includes written notes and a review session afterwards via Zoom. So check that out. Check out the other tiers. And as always... Thanks for listening to Making Comics. Now on to the episode. Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders of Milisanda for the Accidental Aliens. I am Keith Foster, and I write the comics Kadoja and Three Protectors. I am a managing partner at Invader Comics as well. And amongst all those things, you are a beer aficionado, my friend. Am I? Are we? Are we beer aficionados? I think we are. I think, I think we have to be after like... 100 plus episodes of just talking mm. about beer and then comics? I think so. That's so with scientific. that said, that's good it, enough. It well, is. Hold on. Actually, one, one quick one quick pause. Can you put put the camera up a little bit because right now it's like oh, yeah. it's like it's cutting off at your eyes so it's like your identity is being concealed so you don't knit, uh, name the murderer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not into just like look, staring at my mouth for uh, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it was it was like exactly cut off right here. It was like yeah, the beginning of a black box over your eyes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you're not okay. into that, is what you're saying? I mean, I'm not saying I'm not into it, <laughs> but for the purposes of this podcast, you prefer <laughs> yeah, to exactly. see my whole face. I get. I it. think I th- I think that maximizes the reason that we're actually on video with each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. So what are you drinking this week? So I am drinking, this beer was a gift. I can't remember if I mentioned this to you before, but this is from a couple weeks back. This is my buddy who's a New York Giants fan. And uh, and I <laughs> I, uh, I found this beer. He had left it for me. And, uh, and he said, on, on the note, he basically said something like, I appreciate the Eagles letting my Giants score seven points. Because in the game, the Eagles like just destroyed the Giants 38 to seven. And uh, and so I am in a double mood because we are taping this uh, after the Eagles have punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. So, hey, they're in the Super Bowl. This will air the day after the Super Bowl. So hopefully that went well. But whatever. We're one of the two teams in the Super Bowl. And that is drink worthy and toast worthy. So this thing is sublimely self-righteous black IPA from Stone. It is good it's 8.7 percent alcohol Ooh. and 1.6 ounces 22 ounces of this motherfucker so that that power rating is up over 150 i don't know if i'm gonna drink the whole thing we'll see but if i do you'll know because i'll be a dumbass 
So that'll <laughs> that'll be your fun little litmus test around the 45 minute mark. Is Keith a dumbass? Is he doing his trademark slur? So we're all going to find out together, party people. That's going to be the riddle for this episode. So uh, what are you drinking, though? Well, I'm having a little bit of a combo pack. So I know we're not supposed to talk sports at the top of the hour, mm-hmm. but... I was watching the Lakers game. They were losing to the Pacers basically the entire game. So I thought it would be a great time to bust out the Glenfiddich 15. Oh. So I well, am starting off with a little Glenfiddich um, to start the episode off. And then to add to my power ranking, um, I'm having Left Coast Brewing Company Asylum. Yeah. And this is a Belgium-style triple ale. It looks like it was uh, canned in San Clemente, mm-hmm. so down here in San Diego, and then where the I fuck? think it's around eight percent. I've had it before. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. yeah. So yeah, this is going to be a good one, man. It's going to this be is going to be a good one. Sloshy, sloshy episode. I hope you guys are in for that, and yeah. uh, we're here to give it to you. Yeah, and a fun note on the asylum. I uh, a, a while back. I went to the Left Coast Brewing place, and I had named that as a place for us to go because there's a Left Coast Brewing tasting room, whatever you want to call it, in Irvine. So oh, not okay. too far, not too far from where we've hung out before. And depending on how good your memory is, I believe I had a beer that there that was very good called Mamba Mentality. Oh, I've had that. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So excellent. Oh, not, and also, yeah, you were right about the eight, but you weren't fully right because it is. Holy shit. Like, I opened the wrong one. There was two new beers that I had grabbed from Trader Joe's, and I was debating, ah, should I get this? Should I get that? I was like, ah, this one seems cool. If I knew it was 11.8, I would have grabbed the other one for sure, because having scotch on top of this is going to be a a very, very fun episode. This is going to be a... Yeah, we're going to be dumbasses. So we might... (laughs) All right, I'm going to take a sip of this, and why don't you tell me what the first thing you did this week was? Okay, okay. So this week was one of the more, I don't know, if I want to say like ethereal, kind of floaty kind of weeks in terms of what I did um, for my work. So the first thing I did, both of these things are going to be very similar because they're the only two things I did this week. Not counting, you know, I, I worked more on getting the Kadoja Kickstarter ready. Hey, by the way, that's live now. If you haven't backed it already, please do. It's still got a little ways to go. We're not even halfway through. So check that out. Kadoja Symphony of Madness number two. Um, but I, I don't even want to talk about it because I said, I mean, it's just Kickstarter stuff. Like we've talked about it before. But and I'm sure you thing- plugged it at the top of the show. I probably did. I probably dropped some kind of amazing sounding thing, getting a special guest star to do the intro. No, it was me. Uh, So (laughs) the first thing I did was, I guess, last time we talked about I had written a short story and that I had sent that short story to the people in my writer's workshop. And so two nights ago, I got the notes back from that workshop and I was very, very pleased. So... The last day or two has been a ton of me just digesting the notes, trying to understand how to write those notes back into the short story and uh, and working with the feedback they gave me. And I'm super happy. Um, it was about as good of a workshop as I can have because they really liked what I had done. They liked the tone of the story. They respected that it was very different from my first novel, which I liked. 
and and they were all like, no, this is this is good. This is exciting. It has a really fun, suspenseful moment about two or three pages in that made everybody's you know jaws kind of metaphorically drop, which was nice. And uh, and then it continued to go on. And um, yeah, I, I don't want to say much else about it, but it's basically a suspense kind of horror ish type thing. And now um, and and even better as part of that workshop. Uh, they gave me a note that I can write in. So as I got to the ending, the ending was the thing that I just kept going around and around and around about. And I was like, what, how do I make this ending work? And I threw out an ending that I liked. And then sure enough, they were like, this, this, this needs work. What if you did this? What if you did that? And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So they were able to give me the notes that I'm now able to write in and have a strong ending. And I like it because the best part about the strong ending that, that I'm going to write in is I mentioned this wow moment of suspense on page two or three that now gets to get bookended with another wow moment as long as I can write it you know no more than a couple lines from the end of the story so I get that nice bookend of wow moments that that never quite works out but I'm happy when it does and uh, so yeah I mean it's been about me writing the notes but also about me thinking about short stories I, I mentioned to the workshop people that this was the first first short story I've written. I mean, I would say I've ever written because I'm not counting short stories I wrote in college. That was forever ago. Um, so, yeah, man, these are the first short stories I've really ever written since I've become serious about writing again. And everybody in the workshop was impressed. They're like, this is the first one you've written? Yes, it, it was. Because short stories are, especially in the horror suspense genre, they're very different. You know, like, like the, I mean, obviously the pacing is different. You, all right, I have this line about the island of Puerto Rico. My line about the island of the port of Puerto Rico is it's geographically identical to the United States, just on a much smaller scale. Like you, you could start at one end of the island and you're at a beach. And then if you drive, if you were able to drive across the central part of the island, which you're not, you can sort of do it, but you can't really do it. You get into mountains there's a rainforest, you know, there's, there's, there's like more slight mountains. And then before you know it, you drive downhill again and you're right back at the goddamn ocean. It, it's pretty amazing the way it is. And anyone who's ever driven across the United States, it's the same way. You know, you, you just sort of go up and up and up and up. And then there's the continental divide, you know, ha- you know, way past the Mississippi, if you're going West and then it just goes down, 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 down. So, um, Anyway, I say that because short stories are very similar. They they need to follow a lot of the three-act structure stuff, or they don't because they're short, but you, you're trying to jam-pack a whole lot of what makes a story good, in other words, what would make a novel good, but you're doing it much shorter. And there's also, in, in this particular genre, I think there tends to be more of a gotcha at the end. You know, there right. tend to be nice twists, there tends to be a nice punch-in-the-face moment, punch in the gut moment, whatever you want to say, right? Where you have that, oh, thing at the end. And uh, that's the thing that I'm kind of experimenting with on on this short story. And so it was cool to do. The new ending is going to make it even better. But most importantly, I think it's fun to just mess around with a different type of storytelling. You know, I've been doing comics forever. I've been doing, I've been writing this first novel for something resembling forever, uh, but it's still only, <laughs> only my first novel. And uh, the great thing about short stories is I can go through that entire process of like a draft, you know, give it to people for feedback, do another draft, edit it one more time, 
do a final draft and you're done, which resembles more of the way that I go through comic scripts. You know, scripts tend to be like one back and forth. I do it. I send it to Mike. It comes back. I edit it. We're done. That's the comic script. And I would imagine that at uh, at almost every publishing house worth a damn um, from from Marvel and DC and Image all the way down to, you know, all the companies that are that are kicking it with uh, with Invader in the other publishers section. You know, that process had better be in place, because if it's not in place, then, you know, you'd you'd watch out for the book. It needs to have some kind of editing. Um, So, yeah, man, it it was it was really great. It was really great, again, to just explore this new type of story and uh, play with the format a little bit and have something come out on the other side that was uh, that I'm satisfied with or and will be especially satisfied with once I push uh, put all these edits in. Yeah, man, Um, it's great experimenting with different types of storytelling, whether it be being the artist or being the writer. And you might find something that you like doing more than other things. You know, short stories might be just your thing, you know, not specifically you, but the person out there that only writes longer tales, you write novels, you write books, you write these trilogies or whatever. You might find that a short story is fulfilling and and you might be really, really good at it. So it's great to experiment and, um, you know, see where your creative process takes you. So I'm, I'm glad you're digging it. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, I like a lot of things. I equate this to music and something that I've gotten very you know, metaphysical about, I guess, in terms of making music. And I have mentioned this a a time or two on a podcast before is understanding the length that every song needs to be. You know, um, there was a song I did. I did a, I did a rap song with Big Pimp Jones way back in the day. We just did it like a local release. It's really hard to find, but it's called uh, the eight immortals and it is 11 minutes long. It has like seven verses. It is, it is essentially like an epic rap song. And I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And it was the kind of song where that, that's the length that that song had to be. It had to be 11 minutes long. There are other songs, especially when we knock out these funk ones, they're like a minute 35. And, and for me, it's all about, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a riff. Sometimes there's a riff that blossoms into a full song. And sometimes the riff is the song. And you're just like, no. No, this riff played over and over with some variations and maybe a small solo or two is in fact the song. Like, that's it. And it's a minute 40. And it's about understanding, you know, the the nature of music and how it speaks to you to understand what length your song needs to be. Stories are like that, too. And what I really like about my foray into short stories is it gives me a chance to play with those minute 45 songs now. Because when you're writing a novel, guess what? You are signing up for a 12 to 15 minute song. You're signing up for Inagata DeVita, baby. You know, like that's what your <laughs> that's what your novel is. You're, you're setting out to write that thing. But if you're just doing a short story, hey man, you're just knocking out some punk song now. You know, it can be a minute 20 for all anybody cares. And, uh, and that's fine. So some ideas in my idea journal are sure as hell not novels. So I'm never going to put them in anywhere. They're, they're never, they're never going to get to amount to anything other than a short story. So it's fun to actually go through that and know that I, I have a little bit of an idea file for some other short stories if I want to do them. So yeah, man, it's, 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 it's fun to kind of understand what story, what length each story holds and actually explore that instead of just saying to myself, no novels only. Right on. Do you 
in the back of your mind do you ever think like, oh, maybe this short story could be a comic or something like that? Or you're just, no, I'm cool with this being a short story and just leaving it there? I do. I do. I, I've, I, I, in fact, it's, it's sort of part of the wheel I spend with a lot of these ideas before I sit down to write them. You know, even the, uh, you know, the second novel that I'm now shelving that will probably end up being the third, fourth novel, whatever of mine it ends up being, I did a lap around the track. Is this a comic? Should this be a comic? Would this work as a comic? And after my lap, I decided, no, it's a novel. It's meant to be a novel. Uh, And so, yes, short stories, there are some like that where I'm like, well, this could be a comic. Of course, in my case, the limitation is budget. And my budget is going to be about Kadoja, Three Protectors, and Animals for the next two years, roughly. But you never know, Scott, to your point, which one of these down in the future might be the kind of thing where I'm like, this would make a pretty cool comic. Why don't I turn it into that? But it'll definitely be a note to my future self because Kadoja has to get Kadoja has to get done before I can start doing that. And, you know, the nice thing is by the end of 2023, I will definitely be done writing both Kadoja and Animals. And I'll probably only have maybe one or two, you know, maybe the final issue of Kadoja and the final issue of Animals to actually pay for in terms of the art. And then I can start thinking about these other things that might just be comic scripts where I can just do these stories that don't last long. You know, we keep on, it's it's such a great comic to bring up. And um, it, it's, I mean, we're kind of doing it by accident, but because we've gone back to it a lot, the cl- uh, the closet by Tinian. I feel like that's the one that you're going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like that was three issues. Three issues was all it needed to be. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so it's fun to see comic things of different lengths, too, because it feels like comics have gotten very addicted to this five-issue right-for-the-trade format. And sometimes you'll get three issues of story and two issues of filler because they're just trying to fill out a trade and that sucks too. So anyway, right. so yeah, man, if, definitely a note to my future self and who knows what things in the idea journal might become comics in the future instead of short stories. Yeah, and, and reading a one-shot, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, hey, this is just a one-shot story. It's a one and done, start to finish. You'll start the story, you'll end the story. That's all you need, you know? Or if it's even two issues, that's even better, you know? It's just... Those are great. Those are great to have in your collection, and they're basically an easy sell at conventions. It's like, hey, this is the complete thing. You don't need to come back for other stuff. You know, like if you like how I write, then yeah, come on back, and I have other projects you want to check out. But for this particular story, this is it. Yeah. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be definitely, again, going forward over the next couple of years, whatever it'll be. I can picture that future table of mine where I have this portfolio of things, you know, lengthy and and digestible whatever you would like so anyway so what was your first thing man um the first thing i did after finishing the sound effects lettering duty on second shift 13 was i actually started designing characters so i had about a week worth of extra time where i was allowed to uh you know play around and and do what i felt like well i have a future story coming along uh, me and ed and it's second shift 16 through 20 it is our next five-part story arc. We haven't done a five-part story arc since the very first one. And um, we're really excited about this. This is a storyline that we thought of, I think, in the first year or two of us doing the book. You know, or like maybe third year. I'm not quite sure, honestly. But it was in the infancy of doing this comic book that we thought of this storyline. I had this I had this idea. And over the years, me and Ed have gone back and forth talking about it. And it's just filling and filling and filling. So, um I'm actually working with 
this cover artist who's super badass. Um, I got a Wanderers piece from him. So it's the next Wanderers cover coming up. It's actually um, an alternate cover by him, and it's it's freaking amazing. And I made sure to lock him in for at least two pieces, but I want three, three to four pieces from him because he's so amazing. And um, so I've been stalling on getting him these designs because I've been stuck with doing second shift 13. I've just been engrossed in it and I didn't want to go away from it. So, um, luckily he's a very busy man. And so I was able to knock out five designs of the main characters in that storyline. And I contacted him. I let him know, Hey, I don't know if you're ready for me yet, but I have the stuff, you know, I wasn't sure on the time when I was supposed to contact you, but Hey, I'm ready. And he goes, what about next month? Is that okay? Perfectly fine. So, uh, whenever he's ready to get going, I got those designs for him. I'm really happy with them. I went in a couple of different directions just based on what type of story this is. And um, for I will say for some of the characters, I'm really leaning into the Kirby uh, aspect, the Kirby design aspect of it. And I'm really happy with those. I was just checking out designs by Kirby on online and just kind of getting the feel of how he do thing, how he does things and what he likes to do and, and put into the costumes. And, um, yeah, just really leaned into that. And I'm, I'm really happy with the designs I came up with. Nice. So these are, is this, this story arc, it's brand, no, it's second shift related, right? Yes. It's, it's an, yes. okay. Yeah, so these are villains. 20. These are villains mm-hmm. you're talking about that are going to have this new Kirby feel to them, for lack of a better way to put it. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I think they're going to have like ridiculous <laughs> headpieces and shit like the Eternals, because that would be amazing. Uh, one of them does, actually. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. When I when I think Kirby, I tend to think ridiculous ass headpieces. It's one of the top. And of course, like that typical squat figure that's going like... Right, with, the, and the, with, the, with a little bit of like the fists out and the arms kind of hunched in like a semi kind of goon stance, right? Yeah, in armor and lots of zigzags, lots of circle patterns. Like those are that's his bread and butter. So mm-hmm. um, I was just checking it out. I was like, all right, what's the commonality here? Easy to spot. Lots of circles. Okay, yeah. and what yeah. else do we got? Okay, we got some zigzag lines. Okay, I dig those. Those are all right. Mm-hmm. You know, and and like you said, giant headdresses, giant headpieces, and uh, yeah. it's just. Yeah, lean into it, man. And it was just, it was a fun time. You know, it was, it was different than drawing interiors because you're doing interiors for a reason. Like it's like a set goal. It's like you're on a mission to finish this. And when you're designing, there's a little bit more fun there. There's a little more play because you're just creating something from scratch. You just have to grab an idea of like, where do I want this design to go? Like what, what type of uh, feel is this character or this race? You know, are, are they aggressive? You know, like, are they savages? Are they advanced? You know, that type of thing. You just got to go through the phases and, and, and go, okay, well, if they're this type of people, let me look up a whole bunch of that, you know, and mm-hmm. you can look at it from all, all across the globe and it'll give you some great inspiration. And, and I felt like I got that with these designs. What Scott is saying there is, I think, really important to call out because when he was talking about Kirby... He was talking about the essence of Kirby. And and this is so much of what we talk about when we discuss reading a lot. Absorbing this, turning it into that compost heap on your brain, you know, in your brain and seeing how it comes out. Because some level of study is helpful for you to feed that compost heap too. 
Because what, what Scott was talking about there are things that give you the essence of Kirby. He's not trying to be the next Jack Kirby because nobody can be the next Jack Kirby. But what things give you this essence of Kirby? So he's like, okay, circles, zigzag lines, bizarro headpieces, like those kind of things. The great thing about those things is if you distill the right things down, then, then you can give the essence of something to someone and have them recognize it and appreciate it. And I like that. You know, like I I didn't want to give this away, but in the short story I wrote, it had an essence of a certain author in it. And one of the three people said, this reminds me of, and they said that author. And I was like, kick ass, because I absorbed the essence of, of what I wanted and I was able to put it back out and communicate it clearly. So, so much of this is what we talk about when we talk about you know, the idea of stealing from so many sources, right? If you steal from one person, it's plagiarism. If you steal from 100 people, you're a genius. And this is what we're talking about, to just take those things and put that twist on it so that it's more like homage and essence, and it's less, uh, oh my God, you're ripping that off. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> less thievery. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so for me, my second thing it's really my first thing. It's just about a different story, but honestly, that's all I got. So I'm just going to roll with it a little bit. So in the first thing, when I talked about the workshop for that one short story, I mentioned that that was really what I've done the last couple days. But to, to cover ground backward to the, the last podcast, after I submitted this story, I waited a few days and there were days where I wasn't doing anything. So what I did was dust off the other short story that I'm going to work on because... Uh-huh. Going back to my my um, 2023 goals sheet, in the month of February, I have write second short story, basically. I didn't know at the time it was the second short story. I didn't expect to just crank out a first short story, but I named this short story. I said, I got to write this short story. And the other thing for the month of February is writing the script to Kadoja volume four, number two, number three. Um, but the great thing was, you know, we're recording this super early in February. So January's just passed us. And this is along the lines of what I was saying before. I didn't need to work ahead to work on that Kadoja script. I got this Kadoja script. I will do it by the end of February. And this allowed me to go and play around with this other short story that I want to do that is on my goal chart for 2023. So that's what I did. It's actually a revamping of a sliced off piece of my first novel. Where I was like, yeah, I this, is, this isn't going to work, so I'm going to slice it off and I'm going to turn it into something else. And a lot of the thought into this was simply, how do I make this enough of its own thing? How do I, what element can I put in that gives it a different angle and a different twist so that it's sort of spiritually aligned with my novel, but it's not a tie-in to the novel? And after asking the universe that question in my own brain. You know, it's the kind of question that just surfaces, you know, once it used to surface about once every week, like, ah, oh, what can I do about this short story? What's the what's the twist? It finally just came to me. I was just like laying in bed about to go to bed and actually it is related. The twist is related because I can't give any of this stuff away or because I choose not to give any of this stuff away. I can say that it was a heavy metal song title. And I was like, mm holy shit, does this heavy metal song title convey the thing I want? 
<clears throat> and uh, and then I happened to look up the heavy metal song title, and I was actually one letter off. <laughs> so it was the heavy metal song title, but one of the letters and one of the words was different, and that made it work for me. So what I like about it is that song title, by me putting this into the short story, the, the point is it's a bit of a riddle. And throughout the short story, you, the reader, and the the narrator are going to try to figure out what this riddle means. And we're going to find out at the end what things you got right and what things you got wrong. Again, I can't go into it any more than that. But That sounds cool just just on its own right there. I was like, oh, thanks, that's, man. that's intriguing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, again, I can tell you this off air, um, but I obviously don't want to give away my sources. And it ties into a comic I love very much as well, because that was sort of the spirit animal of me trying to think what I was do what I wanted to do. I was like, I want it to be like this certain comic with the way that they bust something out. How can I do that? And all those things synthesized and I finally got my answer. And that allowed me to write some of it in. Um, in the time in between, you know, submitting my my first short story for workshop and getting my notes back. So now I'm going to work on this through the month of February, and then I will submit this other short story for my next workshop. So I'm I'm on pace with that, and I'm really happy with the fact that I finally knocked that wall down with my head, as I am wont to say, and I'm ready to go. So, you know, again, you, you can't knock a wall down with your head in real life, but you you can sure do it figuratively when it's about breaking through in your thinking around a story. And that's a great example of finding inspiration in different things. You mm -hmm. know, it's not always about reading other comics and getting inspired by those. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's it's great to tap into other elements of your interests and let those kind of bring you inspiration. So even though you listening to this song, you're like, wait, is that it? Oh, wait, mm -hmm. no, I heard it wrong. But this is what I interpreted it from it. And now it's solely mine because it's not even yeah. it's not even truly inspired by that song because mm -hmm. it was it was a different word that I was thinking. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. Great when that happens, when you're just doing random shit and it comes to you. It's, it's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And even a couple a couple minor things on that. Number one, I was not listening to the song when the song title jumped into my head, it just jumped into my head. That was oh. thing number one. And then thing number two, when I was telling my wife about it. I mentioned it, and I've said something to this effect on the podcast, that music is so much of what inspires me. And because it just it just sort of drives me. I, I really am one of those people that's very inspired and driven by music. And when I said that to Rachel, she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that on your dating profile when I met you. And I was like... <laughs> And I was like, no shit, did I? She's like, yeah, yeah, I remember those words exactly. And I was like, hey, man, that makes me happy because it means I'm consistent with myself. You know, it means right. that all these years later, my thoughts are consistent. So, you know, we can't remember all the shit we say and we can't remember all the shit we do. It's just funny that I basically verbatim said something. That was one of the things that made her go like, oh, this dude's interesting. I should, I should, you know, check him out. That kind of thing. Right. So funny. I can't even remember last week. So. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> well, well, you'd better be able to remember last week because you are probably jumping into cold swimming pools and uh, and True. and making that memory fire fire like a motherfucker. So hopefully, some synapses are opening back up, and you'll just have this god memory pretty soon again. Oh man, I hope so. Yeah, I I feel like it's working, and I know I feel great after as soon as I get out. I feel amazing. 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, all those aches and pains are gone. I feel more refreshed overall. So, yeah, I think it's working. I did mine earlier today, so that was nice. Got that out of the way. Um, and, <laughs> and, so and now, of, and, oh, and mm-hmm. to celebrate that, let's let's drink some beer and kill a whole lot of brain cells, yeah? That's right. You got to balance it out. <laughs> Life is <laughs> all about balance, Keith. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so you talking about our 2023 schedules um, that dovetails dovetails right into my next thing, which is I started working with Ed on that new project. And so that was the month of February. I'll be working on this new short story that I've been talking about, I think for the last year, basically. And um, we're finally getting into it. Me and Ed have gone back and forth a little bit. He's asking me questions. I sent him uh, basically the sheet of uh, information that I've I've come up with for this character, like all of the research that I've done. And so he's been asking me some questions and we're both kind of in this space where, like I told him straight up, I was like, I need to watch some Pixar movies because I don't know how to start the story. I have kind of a rough idea, but mm-hmm. I need I need to get some inspiration to try to like lay it out properly because it's quite different than things that I've done before. It's not like, if you look at it on the surface of it, you don't you won't you wouldn't think so but like in the essence of it it is it, it's a bit different in just how i'm going about the storytelling on it so it's a it's like i think i need a little bit more a uh, little more reps a little more pixar uh movies in my life and i mm-hmm. think i'll get a better understanding and uh, a couple of pieces of information that i didn't have written down that he had to ask me um through him for a loop as well so he was just like hey this kid's a teenager right and i was like no he's 10 and he goes, ah, oh, shit. So it kind of like there's just things that are different than what we're used to writing. And yeah. so it's it's kind of throwing us both off and we're just trying to figure things out. It's interesting that you're writing from a 10-year-old because whenever I hear anybody writing like YA or mid-grade fiction, I I think that's the last thing on earth I could write. I think I could write romance before I could write YA. And, uh, and that tells you what I think about my opinion to write romance, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) like I am, I, I am, I am like all dark all the time and that's just how I roll, you know, like I, I would just sit there stunned if you asked me to write a romance, but yeah, YA even terrifies me more than, than, than romance would. Um, so props to you for doing that. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's a little tough, but it's also like, I can get into the voice of the character because, I'm I'm the youngest of four. That means all of my siblings have a shitload of kids and my oldest siblings, their kids have kids. So mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, I have experience with with children. It's like we have a yeah. shit ton in my family. Yep. So I can I can roughly write from that perspective, but it's just the storytelling is so different than that's the aspect that's different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like the voices are no problem. I, I can get in, into the voices of those characters different. Age, like right now I have nephews ranging from 33 all the way down to two. Mm. Oh, one, one, you know, great nephews and great nieces, my nephews and nieces, kids. So yeah. it's just like I have a wide range of, of kids to go through, like, like, you know, voice type, age type. So that's cool. But it's just like, to get into their world specifically and write from that perspective is 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 different. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that sort of answers the other question, which was going to be why Pixar, but but mm. it's because this is YA mid grade, right? Yeah, it, I say Pixar because for me, I can see this as animation. 
um, this story specifically. I can see it as animation. And as far as animation goes, like if you're not talking about uh, anime and you're talking about American style cartoons, um, you know, is it 3D animation, you know, traditional animation? I think Pixar overall is the gold standard. Um, You know, like they're not, they have a couple of stinkers. Um, Like, like the one that upset me the most, and maybe I need to rewatch it, was I think it was called The Last Dinosaur. Or, yeah, something like that. I think it was The Last Dinosaur. And I love dinosaurs. So I was really excited about this to get a Pixar movie, you know, with highlighting a dinosaur. And and it was not good. And so that kind of bothered me. But they have such bangers, man. Like, there's, there's stuff that, you know, Up, for instance, they get you to deeply care about this old man and his wife within the first five minutes of the movie. Like, you are in tears spoiler alert when you find out the wife dies like like you know it's the first five minutes of a movie and and for them to be able to draw that emotion out of someone you know i I think the entire on anyone that's watched that movie if you haven't if you didn't feel sad within the first five minutes you're a monster um so (laughs) so for them to have that ability to do that to the audience is something i want to tap into myself Mm -hmm. i want to get uh you know, the audience deeply connected with these characters straight away, especially since it's starting off as a short story. So I want the audience to be attached to this character and then moving forward, just be invested in the story. Yeah. On a related note, Scott, I ended up taking some um, episodes old advice from you and I ended up, uh, so you know that, that this is sort of related to what you're saying. Um, Fuck, hold it. I got I got I hey. What did I say 45 minutes? I meant 35 minutes. Um <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh but no, I I took some episode I took some advice of yours and I went back and uh read I am currently reading one of Emily St. John Mandel's earlier books and that was something that you had said a while ago. Fuck if that thing doesn't hook you two sentences in. It oh. was just like like something happens and it's like you know, the last time he ever saw, you know, whatever her name was, she was doing this. And it's like, I'm in right now. Two fucking sentences. And I'm, and I'm, I can't wait to read this book. And I say that because five minutes in, you love this character. Like, right. Again, that's, that's something that you can, you can sit there and be inspired by, but you also can pay attention to and ask yourself, why is this? hooking me so early because guess what if somebody else can hook someone that early so can you so you know again that that's that's the beauty of this composting thing we talk about right it can it can either be casual where you just absorb a whole shit ton of culture and you see what makes its way to your pen when it's time or you can actively unpack it like you're studying for class and be like but why why does does this thing hook me so why does this make me love this character so why does this make me into this story two goddamn sentences in and i actually played it for for a friend and uh, and i and i said check out these first two sentences and i played him uh, on the audiobook and she was like okay i'm in this story like she almost said the exact same thing it's like it's just it's again it's it's amazing how people can do that but it's not magic you know it feels like magic but it's really just craft so anyway fun Fun things out there to, you know, both absorb kind of by osmosis, but also actively absorb if you choose to do so. 
Right. Yeah. And that that's that's me wanting to watch Pixar movies because, you know, I, I think I mentioned this uh, last week or the week prior is when I was wrestling, I would watch other matches. And instead of just watching them for the pure joy of watching wrestling matches, I was dissecting them. Mm-hmm. And when you understand how to make comic books, when you understand storytelling, when you understand writing, um, you watch animation, you watch movies, you read a book, you go, oh, I see what they did there. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of you making the effort to do that. You know, like, how are they hooking us? Why are they making yep. us connected? You know, what are the steps that they did to make us feel this way? Mm-hmm. And then you can reverse engineer that and you can make it part of your process. And yep. that's exactly what I'm doing with this short story. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, to keep on this flow here, for the first volume of Three Protectors, I watched a shit ton of Kung Fu and I wrote down dialogue. And the reason I wanted to write down dialogue is I wanted to write it down. And that meant pausing, rewinding, playing, pausing, rewinding, playing. Because I wanted to get the like stilted nature of American dubbed Kung Fu. And I wanted to have that feel for when I wrote my own dialogue and try to identify the patterns and go from there. For the second volume of Three Protectors, which you know is currently kind of out to mic for review in terms of a script... I also watched a shit ton of Kung Fu, and in that case, it was the action I was focusing on in all these movies and trying to boil down the essence. So I just took notes. I just studied the movie. So again, it's it's all out there for you, depending on um, how much you want to take in. Right on. Uh, let me knock out these last couple of things that I did this week. Yeah. Uh, the lettering. Oh, I started the lettering of Second Shift 13. So the the standard lettering, not the sound effects lettering, which is uh, mostly done. And so I have the first four pages knocked out. And I actually got eight pages of flats back from my flatter. So mm. things are trucking along. I think there's about five pages left that he needs to do. And then all the flat work is done. And, uh, you know, Joaquin is going to fit that in where he can. He's working on three projects right now. But he's still... He's still doing work for me as well. Like I had that uh, mermaid commission that there was an adjustment that the client wanted. And so I had to do a quick patch work. I sent it over to him and I was like, hey, man, so the client said this. Sorry, it's taking it took a while for him to get back to me and for me to get back to you. And he goes, no problem. I'll knock it out this weekend. So there's yeah. So he's still doing work for me. And, um, you know, in between all these jobs and he's he's a mensch, you know, he just he just uh, helps me out so much. And I just love his work. So. Um, that's moving along. So after we get all these flatted pages back, I'm going to look through, see what other sound effects I might need to do. I think I got them all. There might be one or two left, but that's going to be easy peasy lemon squeezy. Um, and then I also finished a one and a half wrestling toys for my, my wrestling client. So things are moving along. I'm getting all of this client work out of the way. It's just like, okay, you know, just based on the schedule that I laid out for myself. And I got to say, having that schedule uh, in hand, like, like visibly looking at it really does help. I'm just like, oh, this is what I'm, this is what I need to stay on task with. And um, so it's really working out for me. And uh, yeah, man, knocking everything out. Oh, and there goes yep. Keith. He has his right next to his workstation. I, 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 yeah, I'm just doing a visual right now to prove that it is a. It is all I have to do is just reach down on the ground. It's right there. It doesn't have a special place. It's just tucked against this IKEA two by two, you know, cubbyhole bookshelf I have. But it's right there whenever I want it to consult and to make sure that it's there. A small pleasure too when you do these checklists. If you actually print it out. 
it's nice to cross shit out. Oh God, yes. It's like I, oh. put, I put a big fat check mark in the mm-hmm. box, right? Just a big fat check that I write in and scribble in with pen. You know, it's glorious, glorious to yeah. do that thing. Mine's a little more uh, nuanced, so I like each task that I finish, I cross that out, cross that mm-hmm. out, you know, and it's just every time. And then if I complete everything in the box, so on my spreadsheet, my Excel spreadsheet, it is month, dates specific, and yeah. then tasks. Right. And then so I'll go through, I'll check, I'll cross them out. And then once I finish all of them, I cross out the month and I'm like, ah, yes, that's nice. Yeah. 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 Hey, the half wrestling figure. Like, so were you like, hey, look, I'm going to do this one whole wrestling figure, but for the other one, I'm only doing eyes, nose, fingernails, and the torso. Nope. Crotch down. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, this week, it's just the crotch. That's right. Yeah. This this is what you're getting. Rock on. Rock on. You guys can print Uh, the rest of it later. Yeah, exactly. Next week, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, that that will end the beginning section where we tackle all of the work we've done for the week. And uh, so... We, we ran long, but guess what? I don't think this next sub- subject, the, the main subject of this episode, is going to take too much time. And that is letting your work air out. Keith, yeah. you, you broached this topic with me. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, I, I did. I did because it's something that's come up in a few of the learnings that I've been taking in myself. It's something that I believe in. Um, I don't think we were doing the podcast when this happened, Scott, but we've definitely referenced it on the podcast. I think what we want to talk about a little bit here is the nuance that it comes that comes with how long you want to air something out. So we're going to start big scale and go from there. The most notable thing in terms of letting your work air out would would be and and this is going to be a little writing focused but I think once we get into the more granular things it's going to be a little more draw focused but for writing the the biggest air out period that anybody ever has and this is actually what what prompted in my head was Stephen King's on writing he was talking about a first draft so you finish that first draft whatever form it takes and then you throw that goddamn thing in a drawer for at least 6 weeks was Stephen King's thing. Now, I had already learned this from Mark, and his thing was three months. You put that thing in a fucking drawer and don't look at it and don't think about it for three months. But whatever time it is, six weeks, three months, what you want to do is... And so so if... Look, not saying that a lot of people are listening to this are writing novels, but if it's something big, again, we can go down with some suggested times in a little bit. But the point is, you got to get away from it. There, there becomes a period where, you know, to use the old Abe Lincoln quote, right? Give me, give me an hour to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first 50 minutes sharpening my axe. You got to have that axe sharpening. Because if you don't take a break, then you are basically going to be hacking at a tree with a dull axe and you don't want that. You're, you're going to sort of hate the work. You're going to hate little nuanced things about the work. You're going to hate big things about the work because you haven't taken the time to take a step away from it. And it is super important to do that. So again, when a big piece of something you're doing, like a novel, six months to, to, to 12 months, or sorry, six weeks to 12 weeks. But let's step that down a little bit because this is making pop comics. It's not making novels. So let's say from a comic writer perspective, you finish that script. I would suggest you taking at least a week off. 
you finish your comic script, especially if you're earlier on in the process. That's the key, right? For for me, I don't really need to take much time off for a comic script, but I still take a couple days once it's done. And just just let it breathe, let it get the hell out of my head, think about whatever I want to think about, watch basketball, watch kung fu, play golf, whatever it is, but like don't you dare think about that thing. So you you need to season this to taste, but you also need to understand that you should get away from this because what you want is let's say you finish that first draft of a comic script and you're and you're a bold adventurer, so you decide that you're going to take a week off, which is probably more than enough for something at, you know just a 22-page comic script. What you want is that fresh set of eyes and that fresh brain because you have let it leave your head. So now you are workshopping yourself if you've done this correctly. You're looking at this as an objective work. You don't remember all the little things about it and you're just reading it another time through. And that's when you get this great like eye-opening stuff of like, oh yeah, that doesn't work. This doesn't work, etc. Um, so we could keep on breaking that down. I would imagine, Scott, that, you know, like for, for something like a short story, I would probably say the same thing, right? Just, yeah, take a week, take a couple of days, whatever it's going to be. Just get it the hell out of your head. Try to occupy your brain with something else. You got another project, work on the project. You got something you want to get invested in, get invested in it. You want to draft a fantasy baseball team, go for it. Whatever the fuck you want to do, man, do it. You know, but but most importantly, just get that that story the hell out of your head so that you can come back to it with fresh eyes. Now, in terms of art, since I'm not an artist, I can't really speak to it, but maybe you can. You know, like, let's say you finish a, a, uh, a an issue of, of a comic, uh, of a comic on your own. Do you let it air out and then kind of go back and take a look if there's anything? Well, I, I do do that. Um, but mostly what, what I do is go back and look for inconsistencies. Um, but as far as this this part of the process goes, I would say a lot of that comes with... Um, number uh, number one, going back to what you said, yes. Yes, I do. So there has been stuff in issue 13. The art is complete. And there's pages that I've been done with quite some, for com- quite some time. And I've gone back and I've checked them out. And I'm like, I don't really like the way that looks. That looks weird. And so I'll go and I'll tweak it. And that's just... That's just a, a product of not seeing the art for a while, much like you're talking about with with your script, and that can happen, and and it's a good thing, you know. Like you artists out there, don't be so married to to your work. That's something. That's some information that I got from Jim Lee. Um, was your don't just just don't be so in love with your first throw down you know like when you're laying down your lines and say you draw this head super awesome but the head is clearly too small or too big for the body but you just don't want to do it you just don't want to you can't bring yourself to erase erase the head because the head is so good it's the best head you've ever drawn you have this great up angle it's hard to do and you nailed it and you're just so in love with it but the work that would take for you to redraw that head compared to redrawing the entire body is so much longer is just don't be so married to your, your first, your first drawing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that also comes with when you're drawing, drawing a piece and it doesn't look right to you and you can't put your finger on it because you're going through the X's and O's of it all. You're, you're, you know, you're, um, 
checking out the proportions, everything's right, but just something is off because you've been working and working and working it to death. And it's just not right to you. Uh, the same advice that Keith is giving you with scripts, you can do that with your art. Put the art away for a while. Take a week off. Just do something else. Do anything else. And uh, come back to it. And then a lot of times, more often than not, you're going to find that there was nothing wrong with it. But mm -hmm. it's because you've been staring at it for hours and hours and hours and doing all these adjustments, these corrections, these cross, you know, uh, these checkpoints, you know, like, okay, does this line up with this? And you've done it all, you know, like if you've done your homework, you know that you've done everything you could to make this look correct. But in your mind's eye, in that moment, it just doesn't look right. And it's because you've been fucking with it for so long. You've been staring mm -hmm. at it for so long and it's burned into your head that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. So the best thing to do is step away from it and give it some air, let it breathe, let yourself breathe. And, uh, you'll find that is perfectly fine when you come back to it. Yeah. And, and I would say to that note, also make sure you save your drafts because there, there is a chance sometimes this has happened to me in music and that's about the only place it's happened, but you know, actually no, it's happened in novels to some extent, sections of novels. Sometimes you might find that, that the, like, Let's say you had a thing and you tweaked it a first time, a second time, a third time, and a fourth time. And then you're like, fuck, man, I'm too close to this. I got to let it sit. You might find that that second time was the gold. And that's why it's important for you to save your work. Because if not, then you're going to be like, ah, then because if you don't, then you might look at this thing that's the result of the fourth uh, edit. And you're just going, no, 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 that felt like I overdid it. So nothing's better than thinking you overdid it and then just queuing up a, a previous draft, a previous iteration of the thing and going, ha, I actually had it right the second time and I just needed this distance, this space, this time to really understand that that was the shit. I, I had that same thing happen to me and like what you're saying is so true because I was going back and forth with Joaquin on a particular cover and I was like, the character's too, too fair-skinned. I was like, this guy's a Filipino guy. He's like a darker skinned Filipino guy. So you need to get him darker. And so he was darkening him up. I'm like, dude, I'm like, still not dark enough. I was mm -hmm. like, he looks Caucasian. He needs to be darker. And then he's a hapa. <laughs> yeah. And so we were just going back and forth and back and forth. And I was like, fuck, he's too dark now. Like he, he went too dark. Like, <laughs> but then I didn't save the version. Like, I think it was like the third version. The third version was the right version, and the fourth version was way too dark. But before I could – I forgot to save that file. And so I had to say, dude, can you go back? He goes, I'll try to adjust it backwards. And then so he did it, and it was it was fine, but it wasn't the sweet spot like that third, third version was. So you're completely mm -hmm. right with that. Make sure you're saving each version of it. And, um, yeah, you could find that – Sometimes you go a little too far and you need to take a step back. So, yep. Yep. I mean, without without me just doubling Scott's story, because I could double Scott's story, I will say that I did multiple iterations of that when it came to my first novel. And luckily, I saved my work every single day by draft. So I would have like Keith novel title, first draft, October 5th, 2019, or something like that. And so, you may not know exactly what day you did something, but you can roughly know what drafts so you can go hunt through your drafts because there were things from my first draft that I cut 
And then later on, I couldn't believe it wasn't in the book. I was like, why Why did I cut this? I really liked that paragraph. And God damn it, if I wasn't able to fish it out within five minutes and find that exact paragraph and be like, cool, dropped it in the current draft, it made the final print of the novel. I may have even said that exact story before, but eh, whatevs, beer. No, I don't remember this. Oh, okay. Again, it, it's it's the whole, did I say it to someone... Did we talk about it offline? Did we talk about it online? Was it a similar conversation with a different person? Was I high on heroin? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Your guess know. is as good as ours. People. Well, it, de- it definitely wasn't the heroin thing. I love. I only make heroin jokes because I don't do it. Um, so anyway, but yeah, yeah, good stuff. Good He's stuff. like, it wasn't the heroin. The heroin makes me better. Um, <laughs> makes me the best writer ever. Right on, man. Uh, do you have any more on this subject? I think that pretty much nah, covers man. it. It's, it's not an so. overly complicated so. subject. It, it isn't. This is one of those cases. It's it's like those shitty business books where they have like a book called like Now Know Your Strengths. And then you read 300 pages and it's kind of like, yeah, that book was essentially Now Know Your Strengths. Right. Yeah, exactly. I read 300 fucking pages for what the title is. You know, so the title is Let Your Work Air Out take our advice. We've given a few little mini examples on what you can do, but the most important part is some like sometimes you need to plan the stepaways depending on the type of work you're doing, and sometimes you just got to feel the sense of the force drink up and decide if you need to step away. And you'll know, you'll just be like, "Man, this is for me because I've done this with music and with comics and with books prose for so long I know exactly when I'm getting too close I'm like I can't think about this anymore I just need to to get away from it for a while so do that and uh and the work will be better for it yeah absolutely and I will say sometimes when you do come back to that work sometimes it does suck and yeah. you're like oh no I was right I but the 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 thing about that is every time that has happened to me I was able to make the adjustment mm-hmm. because because I had fresh eyes, I could see what was wrong with it that I couldn't see before. And that's an important part of the process as well. So don't be discouraged when you come back to that piece that you've been working on for hours and hours or that, you know, paragraph that you're writing and it just doesn't seem right to you. Um, sometimes it is going to be bad, but hopefully with that time that's come with it has come the realization why it is bad and what needs to be adjusted, how you could fix it and make your project better overall. Yeah. One final note. When Scott was talking about the thing where maybe the head's too big, maybe the body's too big, etc. Hopefully all you writers out there, that's in the space of a extremely well-known phrase in writing, which has been mentioned on this podcast, kill your darlings. You got to know when it's time to put those things out to pasture, no matter how great your writing was, if it ain't right, you got to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Art too. Absolutely. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, hey, that'll that'll do it for the main subject. You got any bullshit? I have a weird bullshit before we get into yours. I was having this conversation with friends. Are there are there songs with your name in it? And if so, do you like them? Oh, um. There's one, and it gets brought up not not crazy often now because some time has passed. Have you ever seen Euro Trip? No. Oh, Scotty doesn't know. Of course I have. Yeah. yeah. Scotty Hell doesn't yeah. know that Fiona and me do it in my van every yeah. Sunday. Well, and then like the the fucked up part is Kristen Crook is like my forever crush. Like I love oh, okay. Kristen Crook, and so the, <laughs> she cheats on Scotty, and I was like, oh, that sucks. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. Matt Matt Damon's greatest cameo, right? The Scotty right, doesn't yeah. know punk singer. That was amazing. Uh, so no, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, Second in my case, is a uh, Loki in a play in Thor Ragnarok. Okay, say that again. Wait, he plays uh, Loki in a play. Oh, that's uh, right. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's. Yeah. Oh my in god, he's so good in that. Yes, he's so good. Doesn't he come back again in Love and Thunder too? He reprises mm-hmm. the role as the actor for Loki in. And uh, I think uh, Hemsworth's brother plays Thor. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those. The, oh, those are so such fun uh, Easter eggs. So the reason this came up is because I was talking to somebody named Veronica, and I started going Veronica. Veronica, the Elvis Costello song. And she was like, I was like, you've never heard Veronica by Elvis Costello? Like, that's, Mm -hmm. it's your name. She was like, no. I was like, oh my God. How old is she? uh, Younger, like in her high 20s, young 30s. Okay. Yeah, for sure. She'd never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, then I thought of my stuff and like, um, (laughs) how well do you know your East Coast hip hop dude? Not, not Not that well. Okay. I bet, I bet Ed is going to know this one. Oh, I bet sure. you he is. Okay, so the Craig Mack Flavor In Your Ear remix. So you know the song? Who's got the brand new flavor in your ear? Time for new flavor in your ear. Anyway, it's so there's a well-known remix where Biggie comes on and like destroys the first verse. Like, like uh, I know you're mad because my style you're admiring. Don't be mad. UPS is hiring. <laughs> right? It's just like <laughs> typical Biggie fire, right? But mm-hmm. I think when Craig Mack himself takes the mic, he says something like, something like, you know, knock out teeth, crush your beef. I step on stage and girls scream like I'm Keith. <laughs> it's fucking fire. And and like even Keith better, uh, I think it was meant to be Keith Sweat. Right, but sweat. Uh, I'm sorry, sweat not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweat, yeah. So, but anyway, so that that's like that's like my greatest namesake moment in a song because even then the beat drops out and he doubles himself and he goes like, <sighs> so it's <laughs> so it's a, a step you know boom zip, per, uh, step on stage girl stream like I'm Keith and there's no beat there yeah it's so yeah. fire anyway good stuff so yeah just random shit random shit what what do you have other than like I mean, I could talk about Philadelphia all goddamn day, but this might come back to bite me. So I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna kind of shut the fuck up a little bit because this is airing the day after the Super Bowl. The Eagles are uh. in the Super Bowl. Fly Eagles, fly right. Like like, hey Keith, if the Eagles lost the Super Bowl, just remember they made the Super Bowl, and history will remember them. That's my note to my future self. And if they won the Super Bowl, then fuck yeah. Oh yeah, uh, my buddy Chris. I just met up with him. Uh, you met him at yeah, Big I think Eagles Free fan. Comic Book Day. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was sporting his Eagle shit. Um, yeah, he was talking about it when we were hanging out. We grabbed some comics and a burrito, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Um. So, shit, man. I had one. Oh, well, at the top of the hour, I brought up that I was watching a Lakers Pacers game, and Pacers were leading the entire game. Mm-hmm. So it led me to drink some Glenfiddich fifteen. Well, the Lakers took the lead with three minutes left in the game. The first time they led the entire game was the last three minutes. They lost the lead with um, less than a minute left. Left, They regained it and won the game. Mm. So that Glenfiddich became a victory drink as opposed to drowning my sorrows drink. So that was nice. 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 Yeah, did, I tell you that I, did I tell you that I raised my dog after every 76ers victory? 
<laughs> no. Back back when Ben Simmons actually played basketball and Philadelphia liked him. Actually, this is not true. He got injured in like his freshman or freshman rookie year, maybe yes. his sophomore year or something. And so he started rookie. this thing. He I guess he had a cat. And so whenever the Sixers won, he started this dumb thing of like the Sixers won and they did hashtag raise the cat. And he he fucking raised his cat and took a photo of it. And so it became this Philadelphia 76ers tradition. Uh, okay. For, for, for cool. fans around the area, whenever the Sixers won, they'd do hashtag raise the cat. It'd be them holding up their cat. And, of course, anybody who's ever raised a cat knows the cat just sits there like a fucking grumpy, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, with this stupid, like, put me fucking, put me the fuck down. Right? Like, you know, like you know I don't like this and I'm going to claw the shit out of you. <laughs> but, but the funny thing is the cat doesn't claw the shit out of them. Like, the cat is just sitting there limp and, like, helpless. Oh, yeah. That's with this the look style. in their eyes like, I can't wait to whoop your ass. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm not going to do it now because that would be easy. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Right? So, yeah, I don't have a cat. So, I raise my dog. So, yeah, whenever, I mean, like, it can be, like, I don't see my dog and then I'm like, hey, wait a minute. The dog, the dog, uh... The dog hasn't been raised yet, so I it's for me it's raised the diggy, right? So I, I raised the dog, and uh, yeah, good stuff, man. I've been doing that a lot too. I'm sure the dog's like, "What the fuck, man? The Sixers keep winning, <laughs> you know? Stop." <laughs> she she loves the attention. Yeah, you know, oh, she does. That's care. my take on it. Exactly, exactly. Same thing. She actually does this dumb thing with her head where she will she will not only. Uh, allow herself to get risen but then she will turn her like her head can be looking at you but if you raise her her head slowly tips up to the 12 o'clock position on the clock so it's completely <laughs> vertical <laughs> it's ridiculous she's a stupid fucking dog anyway <laughs> it's it's hilarious and fun for all oh so um james gunn announced all of his uh dcu related movies yes. superman mm-hmm. legacy superman or supergirl woman of tomorrow booster yes. gold waller uh creature commandos the brave and the bold swamp thing and lanterns um the fucked up thing was i was listening to i fanboy and they were actually talking about supergirl woman of tomorrow and just based on and i looked it up i was like oh i really like that art i should pick that book up and I just forgot. I completely forgot about it. And then they announced Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. And I was like, oh, great. Now I can't get those fucking books because they're going oh, you to cost can. an arm and a leg. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, hey, if I know DC properties, that will not sustain. That will not hold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, totally. If you're it, it is, It is weird. It's weird the way they're like such an obvious second fiddle to Marvel. You know, you can do all mm-hmm. these announcements and they might like go up for a couple days. But with the exception of like Harley Quinn shit. Yeah. And and Batman, which is I mean, Batman's like minute gold. Like that's not fair. Like Batman's shit always goes up. The first appearance of Poison Ivy will always go up. Some stuff doesn't go up. It's it's kind of weird. Like for quite some time I was able to get Rob or excuse me, Nightwing's first appearance in like Tales of the Teen Titans. I forget the issue number. I was able to get that for roughly between thirty and forty bucks. Mm-hmm. Like as as early as two years ago, and it's just like, well, Nightwing's been around fucking forever. Like, yeah. why is his first appearance only thirty dollars? Like, that's yep. that's crazy. Um, so, and I think um, you know, as of last year, I got Killer Croc's appearance for twenty bucks. First appearance mm-hmm. for twenty bucks. So yep. it's like, hey, Killer so Croc's a cool character. He's been around forever. His first appearance is only twenty dollars. That's that's nuts. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, so speaking of first appearances, I started picking up or. 
I only picked up issue one of it so far. I think I want to try to grab the other issues because I've heard good things about the story, but it's a strange academy. Um, it is a Scotty Young book, and Herberto Ramos is on the art. I love Humberto Ramos. Um, and so I've heard nothing but good things. And there is a ton of characters' first appearances in those books. So I was mm. just like, yeah, with MCU, you never know. Like, they might go YA and, go, you know, aim a little younger. So I grabbed the first appearance of a lot of books. I got Stranger, uh, Strange Academy, first printing issue one, and second printing issue one. Okay. Um, and you can get a six, second printing for about 15 bucks. So okay. that's not terrible. Um, it's quite a bit more for <laughs> the first printing. And you know your boy. He did it. because of you uh, Yeah. Come on, it's who who I the fuck am. are you? Yeah, exactly. Hey. Who are you? Much like you, Keith, I am consistent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's easy, easy, easiest pick on the board. Vegas took it off. Vegas took it off. They're yeah. just like, you, you can't even bet that Scott's going to buy the first print of this. We're not allowing it. We're not we're not giving you? you we're not giving you a dollar on your million dollar bet. We don't care. You're not getting any right? money at all. Right. Like yeah. we don't care you about that. You have to odds. bet two million to get five hundred thousand. Yeah, no, you more like you'd have to bet two million to get a dollar. Right. <laughs> like that's that's how obvious that pick was going to be on the Vegas board. Yeah. How about you? Anything else that you've picked up or uh eye in or uh, uh Hitomi. Hitomi is really good. I like that. You know, do Hit- you? Yes, I do. It's it's, okay. it's a it's a slow burn samurai epic, but god damn it, the world needs more slow burn samurai epics. Like until until we are flooded with slow burn samurai epics, I'm still going to enjoy them as they come out. So yeah, I like that. I think I think I've mentioned to you I I don't know. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I'm also a big fan of Briar and Damn Them All. Yes. Um, so Briar, Briar is excellent, and Damn Them All is also quite good. It's got that whole, you know, people John versus demons, Hellblazer thing. Yeah, but but those those three are quite solid. And uh, yeah, man, I actually just uh, read Hitomi. I read Hitomi number two yesterday, and then Hitomi number three this morning. And uh, yeah, man, I'm feeling it. You know, it's it, okay, it's, cool. just, it's it's a nice little samurai tale. Uh, maybe I'll pick up those because I read the first issue and it didn't grab me. And I've just been picking up so many books that I was like, I, I, this is unsustainable. Like how many mm-hmm. books that I pick up? So, um, shit had to get cut. It didn't grab me. I'm like, you know what? Four bucks a book. It's, it's, it was so much easier to keep reading stuff to see if it got better. Yeah. But at the price point that comics are now, it's just like, five, I'm six. not going to, yeah. yeah, I can't, I can't get through four or five yeah. issues and, and not be into the book. So, yeah. um, I've been doing a better job about cutting my, my pull list or just my pickups in general. So that was on the chopping block, but if you enjoy it, I'll, I'll pick up the rest of it and yeah. uh, see if I enjoy it as well. Well, it's interesting because I just went into my pull box. Uh, my store uses the previews pull box thing. And I was able to cut a whole lot of things mainly because they were limited series, right? It was just like yes. five issue series. So I was able to take those off my pull box. So instead of it saying like, you have 23 titles, it's more like you have 12 titles now. Yep. And so yeah. I did I did add a few. And um, man, you know, I think this was the previews that would have come out about a month ago. So this would have been the, I guess, January previews. But there's some really cool books that came out that I signed up for. I'm like, yeah, man, I can get down with this one. I think is called Romans or something like that. That looked pretty okay. cool. And there was another one that looked pretty cool as well. So keep an eye out for those. But now that you mention it, I did want to mention another book I really liked, which is Batman Animated New Adventures. I think that just I think issue one as we record this came out a couple weeks ago 
And the thing I always liked about the Batman Adventures comic books, which, of course, you know, I got rid of way back in the day, which is fantastic because the one issue is worth like 600 bucks because it's Harley Quinn's first appearance. But I digress. Um, the, the best thing about Batman Adventures is it's just a complete story. It's fun. You knock out an act one, an act two, and an act three, and you just keep on going. It doesn't have any long, convoluted plot lines. It's just Batman it's got that animated style to it. So for me, that will probably be the only Batman title I even give a crap about going forward. But it's great. It's just, it's 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 perfect. You just get to pick it up. You know what you're in for. It's a, it's a fast read. It's a good read. You like the art because it's in the Batman animated style. And it's, it's just groovy. And then you're done and you just get to go, okay, cool. I don't have to think, I don't have to remember anything when I pick up next month's issue. I can just open it and read it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, the most of that vibe is what I I like about comics in general. Like the books that I enjoy, the books that I create is basically that that same thing. Like even when I was wrestling, it was that vibe. It was like I want to have a good time. I want everyone else to have a good time, and that's what this is. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, like obviously there's strings that continue throughout the issues that I do, but definitely that feel that you were describing, that's what I want with my books. I just want people to go like, yeah, that was a good time and I enjoyed that, you know, yeah. and then you go about your day, you know? Yep. That's, that's dude, that's the 1980s in a nutshell when it came to comics. You could pick up any goddamn issue and just read it. And maybe, just maybe, because this happened back in the day too, maybe, just maybe, You'd have a multi-issue arc. Like, you know, I I love the run. I think it's like Fantastic Four 198 through 204. And that is obviously not the 80s. It's more like the late 60s, I think. Um, but Or it could be the early 70s. But like, that was probably novel at the time to have this five-issue run of stuff. But when I think of the comics that got me into comics... You know, you take away the miniseries, like stuff like Secret Wars and stuff, and it's like Amazing Spider-Man, right? Like I get into I got into Amazing Spider-Man at two fifty-four and then went back and paid a couple bucks for two fifty-two and two fifty-three, which, you know, then I got rid of for some profit and then ended up rebuying about a year ago um, to get back in my collection because that's what I did. But I bought all those things and I don't have to worry about that anymore. But yeah. it was just it was just one fucking issue. And it would tell a story and there'd be like a mild thread that would carry over, but it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't this whole, you know, dense five issue series kind of thing. And look, I do it myself, right? Like Kadoja volume four, number two, you'd better read volume four, number one. It's a pretty goddamn good idea. <laughs> you know, you like, you can't <laughs> yeah. just pick it up and read it. So, uh, yeah, there, there's just know, different types of comics out there, totally. you know, and, and, you know, like when you were growing up, it was just a lot of you know, one shots or like three part mm -hmm. stories or something like that. Yeah. And like you said, there's a little bit of a thread that goes on throughout that. But overall, you know who Spider-Man is. You know who the Fanta Fantastic Four are. So you get it. You you get it. And, you know, I think I think fans are a lot smarter than people give us credit for. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like and that's I don't like to do too much hand holding in my books because it's like people are smart they understand like i remember just grabbing a random issue of like my first issue of amazing uh my first comic that i got in a comic book store specifically it was an amazing spider-man issue where he fights los lobos it's mm -hmm. like two werewolf brothers and, okay but but i, I like the band like that's horrible <laughs> he, he kicked the shit out of just, los lobos they kept hitting him with his guitar the guitar <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly um 
Vamos a yeah, it was like two Vamos werewolf brothers. Get my ass kicked by Spider Man. <laughs> Forget it. But I understood what was going on. I I knew who Spider Man was, and that's all I needed to know. You know, and so yeah. anything else was just okay. Well, I'll figure that out later. Maybe I'll go look for that issue. You know, and and that's kind of part of the fun of reading comics growing up. Uh, you know, back in our generations, reading off spinner racks and stuff, you can just grab a random issue because that's all you had. You never knew if you were going to see the very next issue in that 7-Eleven or, or wherever else, you know, until you discover those comic stores and are able to get full runs of stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's the fun of comics. And, and, yeah, and that's man. what I want to bring to mind. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Hey, man, there may be a day in the future where I try to do that, too, where you just try to go, you know, beginning to end. Here's a comic. Here's a story. Pick any one and read it and go from there. Yeah, one of your short stories, maybe. You know, hell yeah, right on. Well, hey, let's let's uh, do the power ranking on these beers. Let's let's yes. rate them. Yes. Left Coast Brewing Company Asylum, uh, Belgian style triple ale, Canon San Clemente. This is eleven point eight ABV. My goodness, I was holding off talking about this beer throughout the episode because man i don't know if you saw my face a i couple did of times oh i did this stuff is it's thick it is yeah like i usually like triples triples are good yeah this was like syrupy as fuck t-h-i-c-c like, like the big butts <laughs> dude so thick yeah um it's five. Oh, okay five. yeah taste, that's taste taste of is a five yeah yeah the effect of that you would want from a beer, that's a ten. Like, so, that, God damn like, it! If that, that if that isn't my if that isn't the spirit animal of my rating, that is so close to my rating, dude. You know, like, <laughs> like so this eleven so we, po- eleven point eight ain't fucking around, man. No, exactly, like, exactly. Like I am, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm hammered, but I'm I'm fucking I'm I'm good. You know what I yeah. mean? But like, it tasted terrible the entire time. Yeah, yeah. To quote, to quote but, Biggie, that beer is, you know, hey, in in the in this in the vein of the Biggie thing, that beer just, you know, kicked in the door, waving the four four, right? Like, <laughs> dude, like you're like beer, don't hit me no more, right? Like yeah, that's a little no little, fucking too, joke. Yeah, this ain't no the, damn joke. Um, ain't and no that's, damn joke. That's kind of where I, got, I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got yeah. about two sips left on this thing. I'm gonna get through it, but man. Yeah. Boom. That's it. That's the end of the sentence. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> but man, exclamation point. That's, that's that's what you're saying. Yeah, so for this, same very similar. I would give this like a like a six and a half. You know, like it's look, the reason you drink beers cold is because there's less flavor. When a beer warms up, you actually get more flavor from it. When a beverage warms up, you actually get more flavor from it. And uh, and when this thing warmed up, boy, boy, did it get hoppy, son! Like it was. How hop- much of that bottle did you get through? On the whole fucking thing, Scott. I, I thought yeah. that was. I thought that was pretty obvious around the thirty-five minute mark. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all you listening out there, was it obvious around the thirty-five minute mark? Because I felt like it was obvious right around the thirty-five minute mark. Although, in fairness, we may have edited out some of the particularly stupid shit that I said. Uh, because there there was a false start here or two but uh there there in a place or two but yeah so the scott the buzz is a 14 but but the beer itself was like a 6.5 because i drank i just drank 22 ounces of a nine percent beer basically like that's that's up there baby that's up there yeah that's a that's a that's a 500 foot home run on the buzz on the buzz chart for your boy you know so what is the combined power rating for this 
episode. High. It's high. You know, you 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 <laughs> drank you drank eleven ounces. How big was that can? Sixteen. What's that say that again? Was that a sixteen ounce can? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're you're one seventy six. So that's your power rating. And then my power rating is twenty two at roughly nine. So I'm I'm like two hundred. I'm like 198. So we're, and then you add in your scotch. Like there, I just can't see us being below 400 as a combined power rating. On it was, it was four fingers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, holy shit. Oh my God. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm, <laughs> four I'm fingers. Hammered. That's like a, that's like a triple. It was a bad game. <laughs> then they won. <laughs> they they ended up won. winning. They, they dude, won. they were losing the entire game. <laughs> They won in the last like minute. It was crazy. Do you do you know what? This is like a. I mean, it's probably like an unpleasant memory for you. But like back when Steve Kerr was an announcer, um, and the Lakers were like pretty hot garbage, and it was when the Clippers were at their like almost conference finals peak, right? Was it Lob City or was it? It was Lob City. Yeah, it was Lob City. Mm -hmm. And the Clippers showed up one night and just absolutely yammed on the Lakers. And they were beating them so bad. And there was a part in the fourth quarter. And this has become like a family, a family joke for, you know, signifying blowout. But like, it was so funny because the Clippers were up huge. And then the Lakers got got a basket. And I swear to God, Steve Kerr in this exact tone went, and the Lakers cut it to 44. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was so funny when Steve Kerr said that with like this enthusiasm of like hey they're cutting the lead down but like like straight up they cut a 46 point lead to 44 that's how bad it was you, you know? know um I have a fond memory of Lob City uh just for the fact that they had so much hype that they were going to win a title and they they didn't do dick and they they would get eliminated in the second round at the same time, the Lakers would get eliminated. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just like you had all these Clipper fans coming out of the woodwork, never knew that there were so many Clipper fans before Lob City. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came out of the woodwork during that time, and they sure loved to rub it in our face that, hey, you guys suck, and we're the ones that that are good. You're yeah. the one that's trash. And then they went as far as we did yeah. in, in the playoffs. Well, as, and that as brought a- me nothing but joy. As a Lob City apologist, as a Lob City season ticket holder, I will say that anybody who thought anybody who thought the Clippers were going to make the finals didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. Because, you know, as as a Lob City apologist, I will say there was only one real moment in Clippers history where they should have won something and did not. And that's when they was that against the, the Warriors. Three, it was it was a three one. It was when they were up three one against the Rockets. And, oh, and the Rockets, again, that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and like, I was at the game where the Rockets made it 3-3, and I'm going to say this again, the Clippers were up like like 17 going into the end of the third quarter, and the, the Rockets pulled Harden, and then they put in Josh Smith and Corey Brewer, career 30% shooters, and then they proceeded to shoot like 65% or 70%, and that helped bring them back. Like, when Josh Smith pulls up to shoot a three-pointer, four, three <laughs> you let him shoot the fucking three-pointer. Right, right. Mm-hmm. He went. He went three of five on threes in that little stretch. Corey, when Corey Brewer pulls up to shoot a three, you let him shoot that three. He also went like three of five in that game. So it's like, what are you supposed to do? Like those are the guys you want shooting threes. It just so happens they made it. So it was a little flukier than a choke job, you know. But that said, the Clippers sh- still should have closed it out. But but the thing is, again, any Clipper fan who tells you like, oh, we should have won the title, no, you shouldn't have. 
Like Golden State, <laughs> Golden State would have destroyed the Clippers in the next round had they gone that far. And and I had Clippers season tickets, so I know what the hell I'm talking about. You know. So anyway, because because the great thing, Scott, is I know you might wonder. People out there might wonder, Keith. I thought you said you were a Sixers fan. What were the Sixers doing at that time? And I'll give you your <laughs> fucking answer. They were playing NBA 2K and purposely tanking three seasons in a row and purposely being the absolute worst team in basketball and an unwatchable nightmare. And I made a vow. And I basically, when they drafted, did I ever tell you about this? When they drafted Embiid, I said, fuck this. I'm not even rooting for the Sixers anymore until Embiid gets on the court. And then two wow. years later, Embiid got on the court and I'm like, that I made my rule with myself. I'm going to start rooting for him. Like, why? Why would any like that's that's an abuse of fandom? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. You're, you're you're abusing me as Openly. a fan if you think that I am supposed to root for this bucket of shit G League team that's going nine and seventy three every year because you just want to ensure you get a top three pick. Like, I'm not rooting for that. So mm-hmm. so fuck you. I'm I'm out. And that's what I did. I was just like, I'm not even going to actively pay attention to the Sixers for like two and a half years. And so I think that happened to coincide with the Clippers being like sort of good. And I had season tickets. So it kind of worked out so that I could care about basketball instead of just hating basketball for two years because my team was like an NBA 2K simulation. You know, I'm, I'm not into people shaming other people for liking multiple teams. I'm not into that. I've never been. Yeah. yeah. And, um, no, I, I'm, you know, I'm with you. I don't give a shit I, either. I but. still have... I know you're not. I know you're not like that. Yeah. Because your rooting interest is is who's hot, who's coming up, who's mm-hmm. who's next, who's next. Yeah. That's always been your... Like, as far as I've known you and talked to you about basketball, that's been your thing. You're yeah. like, you like the young upstart teams that are coming up and you want to just see how they produce. And, and that's super cool. And I've never been a person to be like... I don't like anyone else. It's just like, no, I'm yeah. not into totality type of shit like that. It's yeah. like, I love the Lakers. Lakers are number one for sure. If I love the Warriors, I started watching the Warriors because the Lakers were terrible. Yeah. That's why I started exactly. watching them. I was like, I was like, hey, these guys are really fun. I hate Lob City. Like, mm-hmm. like I hated the fandom. I didn't hate Lob City. I hated the fandom because they oh, were so you. obnoxious. But I like Chris Paul. I liked uh, Blake Griffin. Like I was watching some uh, um, college games with Blake Griffin. I'm like, oh yeah, this is the guy. This is the fucking oh, guy. He was the man, you know. Yeah. And so it wasn't. I mean, that he I injured hated... his head on the bottom of a backboard going for a dunk. Yeah. It's like I I don't hate the players. I just hate how these fans are reacting to it. Totally. So you know, when the Lakers were trash, I was like, hey, these Warriors, like number one, they're the rivals of the Clippers. So who the fuck else am I rooting for besides these guys? Yeah. You know, and and so I started checking them out when they're on the come up. And this was like, I think two years before they won the championship. I was just like, I really like watching Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And I loved Klay Thompson because his dad is Michael Thompson, who is a Laker, you know, and and, uh, Klay grew up loving the Lakers. He loved Kobe Bryant. I was like, I fucking love Klay. So Mm -hmm. why wouldn't I watch these guys? So, you know, it's funny when the Lakers were down and I was watching the Warriors. I had a Warriors hat. Uh, my buddy has season tickets. We'd go to the games all the time. Um, I was like, "Hey, man, let me grab one of your jerseys." You know, because we're we're at we're at Oracle. Yeah, it's just like, dude, I want a rep. I like I like the Warriors, so why not, yeah. dude? I don't know how many of my Laker f- friends 
like we're like you fucking traitor and this and that and blah 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 it's just like guys let it go we're terrible right now it's like i still love the lakers if the warriors play the lakers guess what i'm going to have a laker jersey on no matter how terrible we are because lakers are my number one and warriors are my number two so it is what it is but you know i know where my loyalty lies i also think that there's a little bit of, of a division in the four major sports in America in that. And, and I get the feeling that international soccer is a little like this, too, at the highest level. International soccer follows more of the NBA and the NHL model, which is basically I've got my team, but I know art when I see it. So I mm. may be a Sixers fan, but if I want to geek out because John Morant went off and I do that, then I get to do that. Right. Like that's how it is. However, I think baseball and American football, they aren't necessarily like that. You know, you don't just say like football is not the kind of sport where you're like, well, I'm an Eagles fan, but I bought Rams season tickets. That's not how football works. If you're Mm. an Eagles fan, you're an Eagles fan. Yes. Yes. You can like objectively appreciate how good, say, Patrick Mahomes is, you know, no coincidence related to like the Super Bowl. But like. You know, make no mistake, man. I want the Eagles to destroy Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, right? Oh, like, yeah. I want us to win, and I want us to pick him off 400 times. Oh, that's, um, I mean, that's what I want when I watch Lakers games. It's like, yeah. look, if they play the Warriors, I want them to fuck the Warriors up, you know? Exactly. It's like, exactly. hey, I would, I would love a competitive game, but I would yeah. also love to know that the outcome is the Lakers won. Exactly. You know? Oh, dude, the Sixers, like, dunked on the Clippers uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, fuck, yeah, they did. <laughs> you know, like, like <laughs> you of bitches, course they take did. Take that, you bitches. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> anyway, okay, I, I think I, that's, hey, at least we saved the basketball for the end this time, which is nice. We did. We did it. You're welcome, guys, if you yeah. guys are even still listening. Exactly. Ed. All right, okay. All right, so uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Uh, you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. That's all my social media is there. You can interact with me, talk to me. I post stuff from time to time. I've been a little silent, and it's because I've been solely wrapped into finishing these issues, so don't worry. I'll start posting again. But, uh, hey, I always have stories. Um, and if you want to pick up my books, Wanderers of Melisanda and Anthrop- uh, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans and Second Shift, Tales of a uh, man, man, this booze. Yeah. Second shift. Tales is, of uh, the eleven percent, motherfuckers. Tales of the eleven point eight percent ABV. <laughs> um, if you want to pick up second shift, uh, minimum wage superheroes, go to accidentalaliens.com. Pick those books up there and support the pod. Support us, and uh, we don't have a Patreon, so that's what you got to do. Yeah, and speaking of that, so hey, if you like Instagram, Keith underscore Invader. But for the rest of the time, I'm going to talk about not my website. I'm going to talk about the Kickstarter that's going on right now for Kadoja Symphony of Madness number two. Newest issue of Kadoja. And instead of talking about like how you go to my website, if you want to catch up on some books, do it on the Kickstarter. Like Scott was just saying, we don't have a Patreon. We we don't really fly by that because what we want to do is we want to make content. And if you like the content, then you support our books when you get a chance. And so now's a great time to do that. Hopefully you're part of the story anyway, but if you're not, you can jump on. We got all kinds of backer tiers. You can catch up. You can get the whole story. You can get a single issue. You can do whatever. But what else you can do is you can get the Making Comics tier. We did this for Symphony of Madness Volume 1, and we're doing it for Symphony of Madness Volume 2. Your boy Scott did a killer 
uh, homage to Secret Wars number four as the cover to the Making Comics exclusive edition. This is a book that you can only get through this Kickstarter. After that, no, you can't get it. You can only get this book on Kickstarter. So it's got the cool homage cover. Scott and I, we didn't mention this, but we've been texting through the week on some goodies that we can put on the inside covers on both the front and the back. Um because that's going to be some fun odes to some things that we have mentioned in the in the time on the Making Comics podcast. So check that out. Kadoja Symphony of Madness volume uh, number two. It's on Kickstarter right now. It's still live. You still got some time. Go over there, man. Grab some books and by all means, get the Making Comics tier and get that special cover that you can only get on Kickstarter. And if you're one of our high roller listeners, uh, the original art for that cover is on that Kickstarter. So you can grab that for 400 bucks. You get the original art. It's 11 by 17. And then you even get a copy of uh, that cover. So yeah. you have the original art and you have the cover for yeah. uh, 400 bucks. So do yeah. it. 415. 415 for for the for the cover, the original art, the Making Comics edition, and the original edition that I'm doing as well. And who knows? We Boom. might throw something in there as well. We, we're, we're cool dudes and we love to hook up people, so I wouldn't be surprised if you back that tier if your boy Keith hooks you up with an extra thing or two that's not even listed on the Kickstarter. Boom. There it is. Alright, thanks for... Wait, no, that's not it. Hey. It's Woot! Uh, there it is, first of all. How dare woop. you? There it is. Hey. So, uh, Or is it Woomp? That's the great debate, Scott. It's Woomp. No, there's a Woomp and a Woot. The question is, on which side is there? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, there's Woomp. There it is, which is the tag. Are you down with OPP? I mean, you know me. If you enjoy us talking about old school uh, R&B and rap lyrics, hit us up at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about that stuff as well as the comic book content that we've been giving you. If there's anything that you want us to talk about we haven't talked about yet, uh, please do it there, makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Let's say that you, however, instead of liking hip-hop, you like, I don't know, extreme metal, new metal. The kind of metal that was popular around 2000s. Um, you know, a great band from the new metal era, even though I don't think they should be called new metal. I think that some people try to kind of degrade them because it's an insult to call bands new metal. Um, but a mm. great band, a band that I'm a huge fan of, is Slipknot. And Scott, did you know that Slipknot has a song called The Heretic Anthem? Are you familiar with The Heretic Anthem? I am not. Maybe if I heard it. It's got a great chorus to it. And the chorus is, if you're 555, then I'm 666. Right? Ah. So so that becomes the cool thing. If you're 555, then I'm 666. But what I want to talk about is the original lyrics to the Heretic Anthem. It wasn't called the Heretic Anthem. It was called the Making Comics Podcast Anthem. (laughs) And it was actually, if you're 555, then you'd better make sure you give the Making Comics Podcast five stars on Spotify and iTunes. True story. You could ask Slipknot. They'll tell you. (laughs) Corey will tell you right now, man. That's the OG lyric (laughs) reference right there. I love that Slipknot is the band that everyone just shits on. I don't know why, dude. Slipknot is awesome. I don't know either. I don't know. I, I, I yeah, they've they've become like this weird go-to for like crapping on metal from that that kind of birthed around like 2002. But I don't get it, man. Slipknot's cool. They're fun as hell to see live. They got nine dudes on stage, dude. A member of Slipknot does nothing but walk around on stage with a baseball bat and hit an enormous garbage can. How is that not cool? How is that not cool? <laughs>
We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> yay, yay. <laughs> Not cool. <laughs>